Welcome to Hope for the Caregiver here on American Family Radio. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. We're so glad that you're with us. What is a family caregiver? I get that question a lot. I mean, you know, you see the advertisements for caregiving services. Those are caregivers, right? And then I got people that say, well, you know, I'm a parent. I'm caring for my children. Is it the same? And I would suggest to you know that it's not. A family caregiver is someone who voluntarily, this is without pay, puts themselves between a vulnerable loved one and even worse disaster. In addition, that loved one has a chronic impairment of some kind that is most likely not going to get better in this world. So while our duties as family caregivers intersect so many other individuals who are doing similar type of things, parents, for example, there is the expectation with children that they're going to grow and learn and become able to do certain tasks and function in life in a certain way. But when you're caring for somebody with a chronic impairment, whether it's an aging parent or a child with special needs or somebody who's had a traumatic event, there is the understanding that this is not going to get better. For the most part, this is going to be a long slog and you're going to adapt your life to this. So there is a difference. And yes, the duties intersect. And sometimes it feels like we're doing the same thing. But that's only because we're merging together on certain tasks. There still is that expectation that it's going to get better when you're dealing with, for example, children. So I just wanted to have that because I get asked that a lot. And it's not to diminish anything else that anyone's doing, but it's just that we as family caregivers have a very specific journey. And that journey involves us often having conversations with the ceiling fan. And we're thinking, how are we going to do this? Past our own grave. What kind of provisions must we make? What do we do? How do we function in this? And it is... um, at times terrifying. And then there's heartbreak of watching someone struggle, knowing that it's not going to necessarily get better. And it's, it's filled with all kinds of different dynamics. You know, you, you grieve over certain things every day, knowing that those things are, are gone. They're not, they're not going to happen. And I, I call that a, um, a box of things that God will have to redeem. You know, there, it, it's a frustration point for, for many of us as family caregivers when we have unmet expectations and, and knowing that they're not going to occur. But, but we, we visualize what, what could be, but choices beyond our control are, are roadblocks. And, and I'm ashamed to admit this. I have tried to force solutions on more than one occasion. I have done this. And I, I kind of stand here with my head hanging a little bit because I've, I see that as a regular temptation with me and a regular um, choice that I make to try to push it. But I end up frustrating myself, Gracie, and, and who knows how many others. And so I've learned over the years, let me, let me correct that. I am learning over the years 
to let go of those hopes and expectations. But I'm also learning that letting go of those things can be very painful. And so over the last couple of years, I've tried a, a different approach. And, and this may work for you, it may not, but this is what I do. I envision a rather large box in my mind. I, I've just kind of envisioned this large box, and it gets larger by the day. And I call that the box of things that God will have to redeem. And when I offload these items that create this grief, this stress, this angst, and I put it in there, and and, and they're filled with heartache and disappointments, all these things, and I offload that to God, put it in that box of things that God will have to redeem. I find that it reduces my stress and the potential for resentment. Those of you regular listeners to this program know that I deal with that word resentment a lot on this show because I believe this is a huge battle for us as caregivers. And expectations are often embryonic resentments, and they can grow to consume us. And that resentment is something that you see over and over and over in Scripture. You could see it all the way back to Cain and Abel, where Cain resented his brother Abel for the favor that God showed him. And and I could just go through Scripture after Scripture after Scripture because this is the human condition. This is what we are prone to do. We have these expectations. This is what we want. This is what we desire. And if we don't get it, we resent. And yet... We are called as believers to take a different path, to turn that over to God, to trust him to work it out in his time. What does that mean, in his time? And you go back to Ecclesiastes 3, and I would recommend just spending some time there. Ecclesiastes 3, okay? It's a it's a small book that we've heard familiar passages, but let's Take a moment, as a caregiver, let's look at this in context. And you know the first part of it where it says, for everything there's a season and every time a matter under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die. You've heard this. I mean, the birds turned it into a song, uh, turn, 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 back in the 60s, I think. And so we've heard this, that there's a time for this. But then we stop there. If we push on from verse 9 We see what gain has the worker from his toil. I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, reading on in verse 11, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Now think through that for just a moment. He's put eternity in our heart. We know there's something more. It feels different, if you will. It is There's something more. This shouldn't be. There's a bigger picture. So as I struggle with these things that we as caregivers do, that eternity in my heart planted by God which is ignited by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, because then we understand in Christ 
what this is starting to mean now. And that he has a plan for this. That he will redeem these things. That we're not left to our own devices. And the box for me of things that God has to redeem, that's a genuine box. That's a real thing to me. And it reflects my faith that God will indeed redeem each of these things. And that he's better at carrying them than me. Now, of course, <laughs> the temptation is for me to go back into that box, rummage through it, and retrieve those items and stew on them. And, and I struggle with that. But yet I can affirm that each time I put those things back in that box of things that God has to redeem, I grow less tempted to dwell on them. And letting go of what is impossible for me to carry helps me live more peacefully with equally impossible circumstances. Now here's the scripture I want to button this up with and then we'll get into more stuff in the rest of the program here. Revelation 21.4. Check this out. Listen to this. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. That sounds an awful lot like God redeeming all those things, doesn't it? The box of things that God has to redeem. This is Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. We're so glad you're with us. HopefortheCaregiver.com. There's more to go. We'll be right back. In His image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality is changing hearts and lives. It speaks directly to the power and the grace of God. It gives me hope for people that I know that are struggling. The whole idea of In His image has moved me. We actually had one gentleman contact us and he said that this film changed his mind about this issue. We had a pastor reach out to us and he said that he'd been struggling with hatred in his heart towards people in the LGBTQ community. And this film helped him to realize he needed to have compassion and show people the love of Christ. We also had this same sex attracted couple contact us and they said after seeing the film, they wanted to live obedient lives for Christ no matter what. And they said, please, Please pray for us. We know this is going to be hard. We've even had people come to faith in Jesus through In His Image. To find out more, visit InHisImage.movie. I'm Peter Rosenberger, and this is your Caregiver Minute. As caregivers, we are weary, fearful, wounded souls trying to stand between a vulnerable loved one and even harsher circumstances. But the grim things we face can cause our hearts to daily break, and we cry out for relief and to feel better. During our journey as a caregiver, there's going to be many times where we won't feel better. Someone we love suffers, and we're often powerless to do anything about it. You're never going to feel better about that. But that's not the goal. The goal becomes to be better as we journey through this often long valley of the shadow of death and to be healthier on every level, physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually. We can be healthy while caring for someone who isn't, even if we feel heartbroken over what we must do as caregivers. We're not always going to feel better, but we can be better, and let's do this together. This has been your Caregiver Minute with Peter Rosenberger, brought to you by Standing with Hope. There's more information at standingwithhope.com. There is a redeemer, Jesus. 
Jesus, God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver, and that is the incomparable Keith Green. Singing There is a Redeemer, written by his wife, Melody Green, and it remains, I think, one of the 25 hymns that every Christian ought to know. And maybe I'll do a whole series on that each week or so, just a hymn, because I know some of you have heard me talk about the hymns, but there's a reason I do this, because these hymns say with such clarity the message of the gospel and hope and strength and encouragement that we can hang on to when the storms hit. And this is one of them. We were talking about in the last block, the box of things that God has to redeem. And that word redeem, redemption, is throughout all of Scripture. You will see this being uh, portrayed, alluded to, modeled, uh, and and then the redemption for our souls was accomplished at the cross. And all of these things that we see today that are broken with this world is all being redeemed and will be redeemed through Christ and what he is doing. We don't know when and we don't like waiting. At least I don't. I don't know about you. But yet here we are, and that's why this song is such an important song to us as believers. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One. And, and, then, and then when he gets to the chorus, he just breaks loose. Thank you, O oh my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit to the work on earth is done. Father, Son, Spirit. And this is one of those crucial hymns, I think, to us as believers that we can sing in whatever dark watches of the night that we find ourselves. There is not one set of circumstances that we can face or will face as Christians that this hymn is not applicable. And and why is that important to us as caregivers? Because we live through very dark times. Many of us do. And there are times when our our words fail us, and we don't know what to say. We don't know what to pray. We don't know how to think. We don't know what to do. And it's in those moments when we're anchored in music like this that we can whisper it out even because the words have been laid out so beautifully for, for us to be able to wrap our mouths around to say these things. And it expresses our heart. We, you got to remember, we were born and built and designed to worship God. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And exalting Him is in our DNA. When we reject that, we are turning from that. and We are walking away from God, walking away from our design. And that's what this whole mess is all about. But when we do this, we are doing what we were built to do, and that's why it flows out of us. It gives us strength, and it, 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 it gives strength to our bones. And, and we, can, we don't have to sing it or play it 
very well. We just say it and do it. Out of obedience first, and then out of great enthusiasm as it comes because it builds us up as we do it. And and this is what I mean when I say there's a box of things God has to redeem when we recognize that he is the great redeemer. We see this by faith now, but we can anchor ourselves in Isaiah 51, Isaiah 51, 11. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. You know that, you know that song? I've played it, I think, a time or two here on the program. Let me go over the caregiver keyboard. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. This is Isaiah 51, 11. An everlasting joy shall be upon their head. And then it goes on to say, they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Now, what does that sound like to you? To me, it sounds like God's going to redeem these things. And sorrow and mourning shall flee away. They shall obtain gladness and joy. And so the question is, for us as caregivers, when we are seeing these things and we have these unmet expectations, we want it taken away, we want to not have to deal with this right now, are we willing to trust him with it? Are we willing to allow him to unfold it in his time? And if so, why are we willing to do that? So it's really important we know what we believe and why we believe it. What does that even mean? If we're not willing to do it, that's a different conversation. But if we are willing to do it, why is that? And the why becomes critically important to us so that we're reminding ourselves, we're, we're, we're saying to ourselves, He's going to redeem this. And the more we say that, the more we understand it, and more we anchor ourselves in that, the more we're going to just, our our souls will erupt with gratitude. Let me go back over to the caregiver keyboard here. And listen to this. Listen to the way this kind of unfolds. And Keith Green did it when he performed it. He starts off very simple. There is a redeemer. Okay, this is it. There is a redeemer. Jesus Christ. God's own son. Precious Lamb of God, Messiah. Holy One. And then he gets to this chorus. Thank you, oh, my Father. Forgiving us, your son. And see, here's the Trinitarian part. And leaving your spirit till the work on earth is done. So you see what he said? This is why it's, this is one of the 25 hymns that every Christian should know because it anchors us into something that is unmovable. And we live with great uncertainty in our lives from day to day as caregivers. We have no idea what's going to happen from one moment to the next. And we're struggling with this and we're, we're, we're railing against, we're angst-driven about it. And when we anchor ourselves back in this, 
it gives us pause. It stiffens our spines. It reorients our thinking. Do you remember what Paul said when he said, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind? Well, what does that even look like? It looks like seeing a hymn like this and reminding our spirits on why this is important. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son. Okay, first off, there's an implication there that something needs to be redeemed and that there is one who will redeem it. And then when you get to that, thank you, O my Father, the course, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit to the work on earth is done. We're recognizing that work still needs to be done. But we're not left alone. What Jesus accomplished on the cross, it, it's, it's on a cosmic level. It's even hard to describe how magnificent this is. But there's still work to be done. Not work to save our souls. That was done, accomplished through Christ. Justice was paid. We were bought from sin at a precious price. But this world is still broken. And we are emissaries of a kingdom where it is not going to be broken. Where it's not broken, it never has been broken in his kingdom. And we're emissaries now. We're ambassadors of that into this fallen world. And some of us may have to indeed be part of great brokenness. And that's where we as caregivers come in. Is that we're seeing this up close and personal. So how do we reconcile this with a good and loving God? Why would I even have a box of things that God has to redeem? Because I'm part of this. I'm part of this brokenness. Gracie's part of it. We see it every day. And we see loss and we see opportunities that we wished we could have taken part of or things that could have happened differently. And it doesn't always work that way. But when we remind ourselves that there is a Redeemer, one who will come and make and restore all of this so that we will be like it says in, in Isaiah they shall obtain gladness and joy. Sorrow and mourning shall flee away. And as I quoted from Revelation in the first block, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Well, there's an implication that we're going to be crying now. And we are, and we do. You and I both do. We know this. And so does God. But here's the promise. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, nor shall there be any more pain. Isn't that interesting? That that word there, pain. He didn't say there's not going to be any more disease. He didn't get disease specific. He didn't get those kinds of, of dysfunction specific. He just says there's not going to be more pain. There's not going to be any more sorrow. For the former things have passed away. So, I love that hymn, and I would encourage you to download it today. Get it. You know, go to the hymnal and play it. If you can play the piano or the guitar or whatever instrument you play, pick up a flute. I know I've got my friend Lisa Williams over in Australia who's a flautist. She's been on the program, and and Lisa, pick up your flute and play that today and sing this. How I don't care if you can sing or not sing. It's okay. 
Just sing it. And let it let it just flow out of you. And watch what happens when you get to that chorus. Thank you, oh my Father. You're going to get stronger. I promise you, you're going to breathe a little easier. Your heart's going to get a little bit lighter. Why? Because you were doing what you were built to do. Praise Him in the midst of all of this. There is a Redeemer. Jesus, God's own Son. And I love that last line. I mean, the last verse, the third verse, he says, When I stand in glory, I will see his face, and there I'll serve my king forever in that holy place. Thank you, O my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit to the work on earth. And by the way, we're part of that work till that work is done. This is Peter Rosenberger, Hope for the Caregiver, hopeforthecaregiver.com. We'll be right back. If you want to know who God is, you have to learn who Jesus is because Jesus is God's message to us of himself. Who he is in relationship to the Father, he is the image of the invisible God. Join Dr. David Jeremiah for his series, Christ Above All, next time on Turning Point. 5.30 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central on American Family Radio. Amy Carmichael was a missionary in India rescuing little girls from abuse. In her 50 plus years of ministry, she witnessed the transforming power of the Bible. Sorrowful people are comforted. People who were in the dark walk in the light. Is it not wonderful to think that this book is in our hands today? Bert Harper and Alex McFarlane explore the wonders of the Bible weekday afternoons at 3 Central on American Family Radio. The Word of God tells us many times in one form or another, fear not. Today in the world, many people are very fearful about some of the many perils and dangerous happenings that are going on in the world. Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2 tell us, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. I'm Joseph Parker, and we here at the American Family Association would like to remind you, fear not, put your trust in the Lord. We'd like to both encourage and challenge you to aggressively put your faith to work. And one way to do that is to pray Psalm 91 daily for yourself and your family and keep your trust in Him. If you'd like to get a copy of the Psalm 91 prayer for yourself, email us here at psalm91 at afa.net. Again, that's psalm91 at afa.net. Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. If you want to be a part of the program, there's a little form out there. You can send me a note. It comes right to me. Whatever's on your heart, whatever comments, questions, criticisms, keep those to a minimum. And whatever you got on your heart that you want to say, we'd love to hear from you. Talking about redemption today and Christ our Redeemer and the box of things that God will have to redeem not that we're putting demands on God, but we recognize that those are things beyond our control. And I've asked my longtime friend, Pastor Jim Bachman from Stevens Valley Church in Nashville, Tennessee, stevensvalley.church, if you want to find out more about them. 
he and I have been friends for a very long time and he's pastored me through many dangers, toils and snares as grace have come. And, and so this is a conversation that's been ongoing with the two of us for many years over God working through these things. And I thought, well, I'll just ask Jim to come on the program and share his heart and thoughts. And as I, as I, what that really think, means is you've run out of other, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you, you got to go back to the bottom of the barrel again. Right. Well, it does have a cyclical pattern, <laughs> <laughs> right. but you know, when I say there's a box of things that God will have to redeem for us as caregivers, we look at disappointment on a regular basis. Uh, we all face disappointment as human beings, as a human condition, but when you're dealing with a chronic impairment and a chronic deteriorating situation, you know, disappointment is, is a part of daily life. And if we hold on to that, it just festers at us. Now you've been pastoring for a very long time. You've seen people that have struggled with this festering of resentment, whether it's in a caregiving environment or not, it still is debilitating. Talk a little bit about that. And what are your thoughts on this? Well, I've seen it. Yes, Peter. And I've also known it. <laughs> There's a difference, you know, <laughs> when you experience your own heartbreak and disappointment. And I'm not really what a caregiver as you, you would define it, but hey, living in a fallen world, we're all going to, we're all going to suffer some, something or some things that will give rise to bitterness, jealousy and envy and self-pity, uh, et cetera. In my case, it was losing a, a job that was near and dear to me. In your case, it's it's caring for a, a wife that's been afflicted for, I'm, I forget how many years now, a long, long, long time. Almost 40. Almost 40. I don't know, Peter. I, I think it's, a, it's the same answer to this issue as to nearly every other issue, and that is to, at the end of the day, to be grounded in Scripture, to have a relationship with the Lord, that is, is authentic, where you can cry out to the Lord, <laughs> complain to the Lord, even shake your fist at the Lord. You read, uh, read Habakkuk, Job, and uh, you know these, some of these unhappy books. We 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 know about them, but we don't like to dwell on them. But these biblical writers, uh, Psalm seventy three. You know, I was, I, my feet had almost slipped. I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked and. They have no problems. They have no uh, health issues. I'm paraphrasing it, of course. And and the psalmist admits that he had just uh, his feet had almost slipped, which I interpret to mean he's ready to give up. You know, I mean, if this is the way God, if God takes better care of his enemies than he does his friends, maybe I'm better off being his enemy. <laughs> but but the whole psalm uh, turns about verse 16 or so or 14 until I entered the sanctuary. Beautiful, beautiful thing when you think about it. Until I entered the sanctuary, then I discerned their end. And it's like all of a sudden, I think that's a psalm written by Asaph, who was choir director in the temple under uh, King David. Something happened. We're not given the specifics, but, but when he entered the sanctuary, I assume that's in corporate worship, but it might have been, it might have been just by himself. And somehow or another, his perspective went from this horizontal, look at all of my problems and my suffering, to the vertical, and he discerned their end, inference being he discerned his own as well, 
and he realized that the prosperity of the wicked is fleeting and the suffering of the righteous is fleeting and God's going to make it right someday. Now, someday may be a long way off and, you know, we're all so impatient that we, we want immediate gratification and immediate vindication and immediate relief from our suffering. But having the long view and having the vertical perspective, I think that's the answer. I think that's the only thing I've ever found that's, that's comforted me when I have felt like I was suffering wrongly and like I want to shake my fist at, at God. So being grounded in the scripture and entering the sanctuary and having that relationship with the Lord. And what did Job say? Job said, though he slay me, I'll trust him. I don't think it was easy for Job either. You know, we repeat no. words rather glibly, but I think that was a tough thing to say. I think there's an implication when you go into the sanctuary. And, and again, these are part of, uh, this is part of a long-standing conversation you and I have had about the worship service and the worship act in that music and hymns. And, and if you notice, none of the hymns that last that people request at their funerals and so forth are hymns that commiserate, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. none of nobody wants that. They want, they want songs that reflect that spine stiffening exaltation of God, despite whatever's going on. I was, um, interviewing for last week, uh, my friend, Pastor Rob Morgan, he was talking about helping his wife, Katrina. She was on her, she, he lives there in Nashville. I don't know if you, you, you've met Rob Morgan. I think he was, uh, he, um, he took care of his wife, Katrina through MS for 25 years. She just recently died in the last couple of years. And as he was helping her to bed, she, her eyes were closed. She was not totally lucid and he was help lifting her there. She, she was very small and, and petite and she whispered out, my gracious master and my God, assist me to proclaim, well, you, know, you know, and uh, though 4,000 tongues to sing, which is another one of those 25 hymns that every Christian ought to know. There's probably more, but I, I've been kind of thinking about this a long time because that, you know, Luther used to say next to the word of God, nothing exalts the, the spirit than yeah. music. And so when I think about this psalmist going into the sanctuary, uh, I, I think about the times I would sit there in the sanctuary and just play. Sometimes you would come in and you'd walk through the pews and you were doing some stuff. And we had, you know, just that empty space, uh, but it was filled with music and worship and hymns. And I've never played in the sanctuary when I did not play these hymns, when I did not walk away more settled in my spirit. Mm -hmm. And I remember one time, Anthony and Winona let us in for, for our anniversary uh, many years ago. They let us into the sanctuary late at night. I didn't have a key. You wouldn't give me a key. And, <laughs> <laughs> but um, Gracie had been going through a particularly rough stretch. And I sat there at the piano, and she sang in her wheelchair for about an hour and a half. Wow. I had no music. She just had no music. There. She just and, and Anthony and Winona sat in the back the whole time. <laughs> and uh and I bet they were blessed too. Well, they seemed to be. And and then afterwards I was sitting there playing. I looked over and she had fallen asleep in her wheelchair. Mm. And she was just kind of sitting there, nodded off after yeah. she had sung for an hour and a half just to get it out of her system. Yeah. Just to work through whatever angst that she had. And I thought, we're we're missing something. As yeah. people, we stay stewed up and we're forgetting that there is number one, deep spiritual relief, but 
clearly with Gracie, who's always in pain as she's saying these things, there was analgesic relief. I mean, it, it settled her body down that she was able to go to sleep and she just kind of slept right there in her wheelchair. And I thought we're missing something as believers because we're, we're holding on to resentment and, and we're holding on to bitterness. And we, we are, we are not reminding ourselves daily about this great redeemer. Well, and I think the, uh, the benefit of corporate worship and being engaged with the body of Christ is as you connect with other people and you learn their stories. I mean, I could, I could sing a solo that would not sound very good. <laughs> it would empty the church. Uh, Gracie can sing a solo and whether it sounded good or not, and it will, because she has a nice voice, it's going to, it's going to, have a powerful impact on me because she suffers and you suffer and to see suffering people praising God is a, is a better sermon than I'll ever preach. And as you know, people's story, you may remember uh, Dick Gilmore and, uh, and Janine and uh, Janine suffered a early death. I mean, she was, I don't know, 65 or 70, but that seems early to me now. And, it's getting uh, earlier by the day. And it was fast. And uh, I believe at her funeral, the, the entire choir sang, because she was in the choir and she, right. she directed the handbell choir, as a matter of fact. And to see her husband in that choir singing that hymn, Oh God, Beyond All Praising, uh, and the words, uh, we, will, we will triumph through our sorrows and rise to bless you still. That's all I remember. And I, I, I spoke at that funeral service. I don't remember what I said, but I remember seeing Dick Gilmore praise God at his wife's funeral, uh, singing that wonderful hymn. So I, I think there's a reason God says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I mean, he knows us better. Than we know ourselves. He knows our frame. He knows how weak we are. And there's a strength that's derived. Seeing people put a check in the offering plate. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a that's a sermon. A lot of sometimes people, you know, you know, they're in economic distress, and uh, still they they put the widow's might in, or whatever whatever it may be. We just we need each other, and we particularly as we uh, as we struggle. Uh, sometimes we need it when we're, when we're not struggling and we're getting a little too full of ourselves. Uh, we need to be reminded that uh, it can change in a heartbeat. So I think remembering to assemble together and stimulating each other to love and good deeds. I think the worst mistake a person can make, and I've seen this happen time and again, they get mad at God. They lose a child they, or they could lose a pet. You know, they, some loss, some tragedy. And they absent themselves from the assembly of God's people and the fellowship of God's people. We're going to take a quick break here. I've got up against the clock. This is, uh, we're talking with Jim Bachman, Pastor Jim Bachman of Stevens Valley Church in Nashville, Tennessee, stevensvalley.church. We're talking about redemption and there is a redeemer and that God will redeem these things. And we trust him in the meantime. And this is part of our journey as caregivers is learning to settle our spirits down, settle our hearts down so that we're not overcome with resentment and despair, which will lead us down dark paths and dark choices for not only ourselves, but our loved ones. Speaking to these issues in the context of that great Redeemer gives us indeed hope for the caregiver. We'll be right back. 
Hey, this is Peter Rosenberger. Have you ever helped somebody walk for the first time? I've had that privilege many times through our organization, Standing with Hope. When my wife, Gracie, gave up both of her legs following this horrible wreck that she had as a teenager, and she tried to save them for years, and it just wouldn't work out, and finally she relinquished them and thought, wow, this is it. I mean, I don't have any legs anymore. What can God do with that? And then she had this vision for using prosthetic limbs as a means of sharing the gospel, to put legs on our fellow amputees. And that's what we've been doing now since 2005 with Standing With Hope. We work in the West African country of Ghana, and you can be a part of that through supplies, through supporting team members, through supporting the work that we're doing over there. You could designate a limb. There's all kinds of ways that you could be a part of giving the gift that keeps on walking at standingwithhope.com. Would you take a moment to go out to standingwithhope.com and see how you can give they go walking and leaping and praising God. You can be a part of that at standingwithhope.com. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. I've met a lot of Christian parents who want to follow that verse word for word, and I applaud that. The problem comes when these parents believe that simply taking their kids to church every weekend will guarantee a peaceful adolescence as if kids who are raised in good Christian homes never have problems. Well, every one of the teens at Heartlight comes from a quote-unquote good Christian home. And if you think your child is going to be the exception, believe me, you'll be proven wrong. Mom, Dad, train up your child in the way he should go. Prepare for the days he will struggle, because no family is immune. Learn how to get your teen back on track. Get instant access to Mark's free parenting course online at freeparentingcourse.com. Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver, and we're so glad that you are with us. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. We're talking with my longtime friend, Pastor Jim Bachman from Stevens Valley Church in Nashville, Tennessee. Stevensvalley.church. I didn't know that they had a dot .church instead of a dot .com, but uh, evidently, (laughs) but we want to. We want to give a big shout out to Eli for knowing that because uh, he he's on top of all those things. If you are struggling because COVID is kind of making the rounds right now and people are a little bit more isolated, and if you are struggling to be able to get to church, tune in StevensValley.Church from all around the world, and you can you can, people check in with it. I know they do because I'm one of them, and I'm doing it from out here in Montana. And they uh, this is my church family in Nashville for many 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 years. And I am grateful to have him with us. We're talking about redeeming, and there is a redeemer. And you know, I one of the things I've struggled with is is the constant barrage of things that are disappointing, and and it's not going to get resolved this side of heaven. How do I deal with that and live a productive life? And I confess to a lengthy amount of bitterness and frustration, and 
angst and all those kind of things. And I still wrestle with, it. but at the same time, I also see that God is moving in it. And so I just kind of envision this big box of things that God's going to redeem. And, and, and when I say that God will have to redeem, it's, I'm not telling God that he's got to redeem it. I'm just recognizing that he will have to be in charge of that, not me. And uh, as my father says, God's got this problem. He thinks he's God. And, and, and I, I struggle with that concept at times. And I've, I've given my consulting services to the almighty on many occasions, and <laughs> politely rebuffed every time, <laughs> actually not even politely, just no. <laughs> and so silence, silence, I bet. <laughs> well, it's, cold you know, stone silence. It, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a little bit. Yeah. But it's embarrassing to say that, but, but at the same time, I oh, think we we've all, all been it, there. Yeah. And like you said, in Psalms, I mean, how many Psalms, how many places in scripture where there, you hear this crying out, how long, oh Lord, all the way from Genesis to Revelation, mm-hmm. you hear how long the people in Israel were in bondage for 400 years in Genesis. And then the martyrs are waiting at the throne in heaven. How long, oh Lord, you know, but his timing is, is perfect. We and he didn't ask us to to opine on it, and so we he asked us to trust him. And how do we know we can trust him? And that's because of the cross. And this is a message you have preached, Jim. I don't know that I preached on this theme that weaves through, but uh, you know, and and we both have walked through some some heavy disappointments. And as you have ministered to people who are struggling with loved ones who are. Uh, hurting you've you we just had a friend of ours just recently going through this and you talked about going over their house and you were tired but when you got over there and you've been a long day but you went over there to just to be with them in the fellowship and it would turn it was just it was strengthening to you just to be able to commune with them in the midst of a very very painful scary time talk a little bit about that well and invariably yeah the 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 person you know, you've heard people say, the, the, as a teacher, you, you, learn, you learn more from your class than the class learns from you sometimes. And, and I think as a minister, often you go to minister to someone else who is suffering or fearful. And the story you're talking about, the lady was having surgery the next morning, and it, she, was, she was absolutely traumatized. And, and she, she never had a tooth pulled, Peter, and she had a cancer diagnosis. And so um, I went with an elder. In her weakness, God's strength was manifest, and she and her husband really ministered to me. And uh, that's happened. Uh, that's happened an awful lot. Um, you, you were at Columbia. You said you were at Columbia Bible College. I was. So you know the Robertson McQuicken story. I, I did. He was the president when I was there. Beautiful. I, I was not a standout student. Let me just go ahead. <laughs> you know, you stood was, out for different. You stood out for different. Uh, I, yes, <laughs> yes, that is true. I was well on the path to graduate. Thank you, Lottie. Before I transferred up <laughs> to Belmont and did music. I, I heard. Thank you, Lottie. <laughs> well, anyway, you know the story better than I. But he, his wife was uh, an invalid for a long time. Lived in a house on the campus, I think, and uh, and he. Uh, he took great care of her till the day she passed and somebody interviewed him once, but you, maybe you should tell the story, not me, but, but he considered it an honor to, to care for his way. And it severely limited him. Yeah. I mean, he just wasn't a, a man free to travel much or, or leave, leave home for long, but, uh, somehow in his faith, he was able to 
not considered a burden, but rather an honor to care for his wife like he did. And I'm, we're talking years, aren't we? Wasn't it 10, 20 50? something years, 20 years. Yeah. Uh, so, she started, she actually started to show some signs of it back in, in the eighties, I believe. Um, and, um, uh, when actually when I was there, but you know, this was a, this was a long time ago and, and I, Gracie and I went over to visit with he and Muriel, um, when I was down there, we, I spoke at chapel one time and, and Gracie sang and, and we went over there to visit with them in their home. And he was there taking care of her and, mm-hmm. uh, she was completely unresponsive at that point. And it's, um, you know, and, and here he was this wonderful minister and, you know, dealing with this. And yet I, I still see what you're talking about. It's just that we all go through these, these, these feelings with it. And I think, have, have you ever, how many times could you estimate that when you go to somebody in distress in your official role as pastor, and I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen you in your unofficial role as pastor. Uh, I think when you're pastor, you're just pastor. Mm-hmm. And, um, but when they, they almost apologize for feeling the way they feel they're, they're upset, they're angry, they're distressed, and they don't want to come across as sounding unspiritual. So they apologize for it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's all. That's quite common, I would say. Um, but those people that talk that way generally are, uh, they're, they're fairly strong believers. And so they're, they're internally conflicted. Um, they, they, I don't know, they, <laughs> they want to uh, sound stronger. They are strong. Uh, but they want to sound stronger and particularly in front of the preacher, they think they need to, you know, put their best foot forward or something. But I, I think part of the healing therapeutic process is really to cry out to God and say, how long or, or why me? Oh Lord. And uh, you're not going to get an answer. I don't think, uh, certainly not immediately. You know, you, you're familiar with John Milton, um, John Milton, uh, I want to say it was sonnet 19, one of those great sonnets he, he would write. Um, and he was losing his eyesight and he was questioning whether or not he could continue to serve the Lord. If he couldn't write, how could he serve the Lord? And as a famous line right at the very end of it, I, I may have the wrong sonnet, but the famous line is they also serve who only watch and wait. You're probably you're, you're more uh, of an English scholar than I am, but so you probably no, but, not, but not from the footage I've seen. I'm not more uh, of an English scholar. There's a lot to be said for just the sometimes all we can do is watch and wait, maybe pray. You know, certainly pray. I should say, but uh, we don't we don't get answers. And um, uh, what does Peter say? So uh, if you if you suffer for doing wrong, what credit is there to you? But if you if you're done right, you suffer. Well, that's kind of a noteworthy thing. And I think that can encourage God's people when they're going through hard times. We, we don't know the why. We do know the what. And the what is all these things are going to work together for our good. And none of these sufferings are worthy to, worthy to be compared with the glory that one day awaits for us. God will restore the years the locusts have eaten. That's been a verse that's kind of become more valuable uh, to me because you you you, you can't deal with that big box. You're talking about that box, that box of yours just gets bigger. It doesn't yeah. seem to get smaller, but God has a way of restoring the, 
the years and, and lightening the burden and um, uh, granting healing to his people in time. So if all we can do is watch and wait. Um, one of the elders at your church, uh, my, my, one of my dear friends, Tom, um, I don't think he'll mind even me mention this Tom Smith. He said to me, when you feel discouraged and you, and you feel like I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything. I'm just, you know, what, what, what's God doing? He said, and only a Colonel could say this, uh, like he did, uh, well, not a, a general, <laughs> could, but he said, stay at your post. Stay at your post, yeah. Stay at your post. And what 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 was Joseph's post? Well, he was in prison. <laughs> Where was God? I mean, he'd been betrayed by his own family and sold into slavery. And but look how that thing ended up, and look how how many many people were blessed. I mean, Joseph became a little picture of Christ. He saved the world. I mean, the the the, the food he, the the that was uh, stored up for seven years of famine and. Uh, who who to thunk? <laughs> well, God thunk, and that's the whole point of this: is that we we don't see it, we don't know, and we can trust Him to redeem these things that are causing us such great heartache. Jim, this is always a treat to have you on here. We're talking with uh, Jim Bachman of Stevens Valley Church, StevensValley.Church, and I would recommend highly going out there. They've got a vast library of Jim's sermons and messages that I know will be incredibly helpful to you in the dark watches of the night. Redemption. There is a Redeemer. And that's what we can trust. And uh, that is hope for the caregiver. That is why we have hope, because there is a Redeemer. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. Healthy caregivers make better caregivers. And that's why we do the program. We'll see you next week. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.